Don't want to work forever? Once you can cover your living expenses with passive income, your day job becomes optional and you reach financial independence. You then have complete control over your time, your money, and your life in general. Spark Rental founders Denny Suplee and Brian Davis, me, are here to help you build rental income, ditch your day job, and do what matters most to you. So on that note, let's jump into today's episode, which, like all of our episodes, was recorded live. Hey guys, happy Tuesday. I am Brian Davis. I'm one of the co-founders of SparkRental.com, and I'm super excited. I'm here today with Adrian Smood, who is an expert on mobile home investing um, combined with land investing. So Adrian, welcome. Thank you, Brian. Appreciate you having me today. Absolutely. So Denny's not with us today. She's, she's on vacation. She's traveling. Um, you know, last week we talked about how to buy properties with credit cards. And this week we're kind of continuing the trend because a lot of these deals are actually affordable enough that you could potentially buy them with, with credit cards. So, you know, without further ado, Adrian, let's, let's jump in and just do a quick overview of what your real estate in, uh, investing strategy looks like. My main strategy is buying the mobile home with the dirt. A lot of people get confused. They think of the big parks where you own massive amount of land and lots of properties. We don't right. do that. And other people think of it as just the home. So the home within the park and we're renting the land space. I have done a little bit of that, but that's not the main business. The main business is a single unit with the dirt. And it's also more in rural areas is where we tend to go, but there are in the cities as well. Uh, it's it's a forgotten little niche. I didn't think it was forgotten, but everyone seems to have a hard time understanding what I talk about. So I have to always over explain it. And that's why I realized it is kind of a forgotten niche. Yeah. Cause you know, we did a, a webinar a couple months back with someone about buying mobile home parks. Um, and we've brought on investors on this show who invest in mobile homes that they move around, you know, the, 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 the physical home itself, but not attached to any land. So you buy land that has a mobile home sitting on it quasi permanently. Is that right? Yes, sir. So most of ours are not mobile, even though they're called right. mobile homes. They're either too old to physically move or too expensive to move. And are they on a real foundation or are they still on wheels or, or what? Uh, both. How about? <laughs> so it okay. depends on the age and what the owner has done to them. I don't care which one it is as long as it's actually strapped down the right way and it's safe and a hurricane's not going to go and blow over the wobbly blocks. I, <laughs> I don't really care what the foundation is. All right. And and you typically buy fixer-uppers, is that right? Yes. Our specialty is buying the handyman special and kind of keeping it that way. We turn it into a safe, livable home. But personally, I like them to be a little ugly because I have found my avatar resident that's going to live there happens to be a blue collar handy man handy woman and those people like to go and paint do the carpet and do some work themselves even though they're just renting it they like doing it i found they stay a little bit longer when they do that so it's a kind of a win-win there yeah no that makes sense um and do these do these people sign contracts with you to as a lease purchase to buy the property and or to, yeah, to eventually buy the property, even though they're leasing it from you in the beginning? 
I've done a little bit of that. It's not the main business. I honestly let the property tell me if I'm going to do that or not. So if it's a property that's going to have a lot of maintenance or maybe one I just don't want to own long term, but it's serving its purpose right now and it's making me some money, then I'll be more likely to do a lease option, lease purchase. In general, I don't. And even if I have it just as a long-term rental, we still do the same rehab to it. We're looking for people that are going to stay a really, really long time. And I feel like if they put a little bit of work to make it pretty in their home, even though they are renting it, they will stay a very long time because they have some actual sweat equity in it. And they're not as willing to mess up their own home that they did the carpets. You know, now it's their carpets. Right. Yeah, no, that makes sense. Um, you know, I've found that it's hard to motivate renters to put in some of that sweat equity because they don't own the home and because, you know, their lease could be non-renewed next year uh, or the rent could be increased infeasibly for them. So do you sign like longer term leases? Like, I mean, how do you incentivize people to put some of that sweat equity into your, your mobile homes? Great question. Not many people follow up with that question, which is a really important <laughs> question. We do a few things and to keep it as short as possible, because it's a long topic, we give them benefits for staying longer. So we actually cap the amount that we are able to raise the rent. We cannot raise it more than 10%. So historically, that's been fine. Recently, that hasn't been as good on our side, but I still think it's we're winning because we have people that are staying a very long time. Now they're really getting that benefit and they're willing to stay because it's their home and we give them other benefits. If we decide to sell the home, they get the first rights to buy it. Okay. And to me, why wouldn't I want to sell it to them? They already live there. Yeah. They already know it. You know, it's not a discounted rate. They just get the first rights to buy it at the market value. And in today's market where we see landlords selling all the time, that's a big benefit that they get and that they're liking. Yeah, provides some some security and, and safety for them. Uh, that's great. So let me ask you this. Let's let's walk through some typical numbers for deals that you do. So can you talk us through like a typical purchase price for one of these deals you do, you know, typical rehab costs, the typical rent? And, you know, the returns and the monthly cash flow that you're seeing on, you know, one of these average deals of yours. So let's keep in mind first that what I said, I do a handyman special. So I right. maybe don't do the full granite and the full finish shined up project. A few years ago, I was buying a lot older properties. So we're talking like 60s and 70s, the ages. Okay. Uh, the ones that most people are really scared of, even the mobile home investors. Because mobile homes Those, is like dog I years, don't... right? So, I mean, like, that's that's ancient for mobile homes. Yeah. Well, I, after this, I'll tell you the story of the newest one I ever bought, which is a 97, which a lot of people still think is is crazy how old that is. But that's new in my world. <laughs> but, so the 60s and 70s, I don't put a lot into them. The structure is not as strong. Uh, they are cheaper to rehab because you have cheaper materials. But the flip side is you can completely rehab it and put two by fours in there, drywall, you can pick which direction you want to go. Spend a little more, more money. And one of the nicest ones I have is a 1969. I mean, it's got brand new kitchen. It's beautiful. That was already there. And then some of the nastiest I've ever been in have actually been in the 2000s. 
because the people just let it get destroyed. So what is the typical numbers? Uh, I'm going to date it a little bit back in 2019 when I bought a lot more of those older ones. So just add a little bit of appreciation on there. I would be all in around $30,000, $35,000. I'm in Central Florida in between Tampa and Orlando, so the more rural areas. That'd be my purchase price, uh, a light rehab to keep it safe, and then my closing cost. And that was okay, so that's thirty to for, thirty-five. That includes the purchase price, the closing costs, and the rehab yeah, costs. Everything. Okay. And I'd be renting those for seven hundred a month. I mean, yeah, good numbers. You don't have to put that in a calculator to realize that's good enough. Yeah, yeah, no, that that's that's great. Those, those and that's well, that was also really close to the dirt value. Now, I honestly cannot find those today, but I can still find really good numbers with the, the older ones. I have chosen to not buy as many of those because now I'm uh, quote unquote upgrading my portfolio. I'm looking for a little bit stronger bones. I've upgraded like maybe the 97, but <laughs> that one is still a phenomenal deal. I mean, we bought that a, a month ago, $101,000. I don't know what type of rehab I'm going to have because there is a tenant in there. He's paying $800 a month, which is very low. It's on an acre of land. It's a 97. It's in good condition. Honestly, if I, if he doesn't do anything wrong to the property, I'm not going to have to put very little in it, very much in it at all. But he's been there a long time. We're raising the rent to $1,800. That's what I feel is fair market. And the reason I'm doing a, a steep, straight-up increase is he didn't want to play well on the phone. He didn't want to have a conversation. So now I have to send, you know, we already sent a letter saying, hey, it's going up to that. We were going to try to step it up. But I mean, that's still really good numbers. I, I mean, I'm super happy <laughs> with, with those numbers. And we bought two within the last few months, very similar numbers. And it still has a newer roof, newer AC. It's a stronger property. And I have land with it. Those I've been buying in the 60s and 70s, I mean, I'm buying a tiny sliver of land down a dirt road where the land's never going to appreciate. So right. part of the long-term game is, I'll say, land banking. I always buy straight for cash flow, but there's always that, I call it my lotto ticket, that piece right. of land might be worth something and it a builder comes and cashes me out. Yeah. yeah. So do you pay for these deals in cash? Do you take out loans? Yeah, How do you fund these deals? So the big banks, they don't like them. So I right. would pretty much say you're not going to deal with those. You can use some smaller community banks. So think of the ones that have three, four, five branches and then credit unions. I've had many of those tell me they do fund these. I don't use the banks though. So we use mainly owner financing. Okay. I have found that owner financing is not as difficult as it was whenever I was in a single family world because people used to just tell me, well, why don't you go to a bank? Well, I don't get that excuse now because most people understand that mobile homes cannot be financed or are very difficult. Right. And a lot of the people that live in them, they bought on owner financing. So it's just not this right. brand new topic to them. And yeah. then the second way besides cash we can obviously use is uh, private money. Well, private money, because I mentioned some of these numbers, you can tell there's good returns. 
I'm able to, if I need to, pay out a higher amount to a private money lender because I have a lot of spread in there. You know, now I don't have to as much as I've proven myself. But at the beginning, I mean, I was paying. I think I had paid some people 15, 16%, and that wasn't hard money. That was an actual five-year term, which sounds crazy. But I was still making phenomenal return myself because I was making so much. And now I've proven myself. Those guys gave me that chance. You know, they were, they knew I was new to it, but they still gave that chance. And now they're still reaping some phenomenal returns. So as a as a percentage, I mean, what kind of returns are you earning on a typical deal? It's hard. Including <laughs> all expenses. Um, it, it is hard because so that uh, new one that I just got, it's going to be 1800 a month. Uh, my payment on that is uh, 525. And I suspect the typical numbers is really what I run. I don't have, I want to wait until I have 10, 15 years of data with them to be able to give the real answer. But I've been tracking the typical 40% goes to your taxes, insurance, and your repairs. Uh, you know, one benefit on those older ones is our property taxes are really low yeah because the county and municipalities don't think they're worth anything so i mean i have tax bills that are a few hundred dollars a year like two or three hundred and i i know people paying that a month yeah so you know in the single family rental world you know people talk about the 50 percent rule how you can generally you know it's just a basic rule of thumb that generally you can expect to pay around 50 percent of the rent to non-mortgage expenses. So I heard you say just now that you typically pay out around 40% of the rent in non-mortgage expenses. Is that right? Yeah, that's that's what I'm tracking. Uh, you know, come back and ask me in a, another five years. I, I don't <laughs> like giving data that's not really long-term because I don't think that it's accurate enough. You know, we haven't replaced the roof on the percentage we will in, within a 15-year span. But right now we are tracking that. And part of the reason I'm a little bit lower is I do have that handy man, handy woman. And we a lot of our system incentivizes them not to call me for a toilet mm -hmm. flapper, not to call me for all these small things. And it doesn't mean that they ignore it. They actually take care of it and they take yeah. care of it the right way. So people that have come into our system the way that we built it, that's how they are. Now, we have some people that we inherited and honestly sure. they it helps prove my system even better because they are the biggest headaches right now that they call us for all these small things and yeah i think that's one of the big ways we're able to keep our numbers a little bit lower and we're buying in areas that those people want to live in that's another big piece that one of my mentors lenny got through my head when you buy your property you buy your tenant so you Buy in a good area or can have good homes, you're going to probably get a good tenant. And then the reverse, we buy where people want to live. Even though a lot of people probably listening have that trailer trash stigma, but that can be true in some areas. And you can have the same quote unquote trash in a single family home, an apartment complex, in any type of home. It's yeah. not the structure, it's the location. Yeah, you know, Denny and I talk all the time about how the quality of your renters determines the quality of your returns. Uh, you know, you I love it. Yeah, that's a good quote. Yeah. I love that. 
<laughs> well, thanks. I'll take credit for it. Uh, so Brian Lebo here says, uh, can this strategy be done in California? Uh, and if so, how and where? So what are your thoughts for, for Brian? I invest only locally, but honestly, I know people doing mobile homes investing in California, uh, in parks, like I mentioned, I, I don't do so much of and out of parks. You know, you got to add the zeros that we always joke around about in California. Of course. I know people are doing it, so I know it's possible. I would definitely look a little more in the rural areas. You are going to have a little bit different um, regulations out there. I know that. So here we deal with a DMV. Even if it's real property, the title company still goes through the DMV to get the title transferred over. And they have a different department in California that California realized they didn't have enough arms of the government. So they <laughs> create a whole other one just for mobile homes. And I don't remember what it's called. It can be done. I know people literally actively right now investing in mobile homes with its own land without buying them and flipping them or buying them and renting them or buying them and selling them on payments. So all the strategies do work out there. All right. By the way, Tim Dooley says, greetings from Bremerton, Washington. Um, and <laughs> he uh, he also enjoys that quote about the, how the quality of your renters determines the quality of your returns. Uh, thank you, Tim. Tim's a regular around here. We, we love Tim. Um, so Adrian, um, you, you mentioned here some of the legal aspect of this, how you actually have to go through the DMV um, for, for these mobile home deals. Uh, how are these properties zoned? Do you need permits for the renovations? You know, this, this is a different type of investing for a lot of us who are more accustomed to single family rentals and single family flips. So yeah, what, what are some of the, the legal headaches or red tape in these kinds of deals? Or is it way less? I mean, it, it's, if you're buying just the home and land together, it is less than you think. There's not a lot. You just have a different zoning. You know, every, municipality is going to be a little different, but it would just be zoned that it is able to have a mobile home on there. So it could be zoned for just one house per acre. The same idea. It could be one house or one mobile home per acre. You just have to look that up. Now, if you are going to be getting into the world of moving them, there is a lot more red tape because you have to get a permit from the county. And if you're moving in between counties, now you may be dealing with two different counties you have to get permits with. I stay away from that because honestly, it sounds like work. Yeah. And I don't like to set myself up with a lot of work. I'm not good at all the red tape stuff. So I try to stay as simple as possible. The same is going to be true with pulling permits. Uh, there are a few counties around me that don't require as many permits as a single family, but just go ahead and count on that. You need to do the exact same as a single family site built. And if you get surprised and you're lucky on the upside that you don't have to pull a permit for a roof in that county, then that's a plus. But for me, I just plan, I have to do everything the exact same way. And when we look on it, then maybe there is a plus side there. Okay. So you pull like the HVAC permits if you're replacing the HVAC yeah. system and all that kind of stuff. And how do you, how do you find these deals? I mean, are these, do you, do you search for like are these listed under vacant land or or do you like go out and look for listings for mobile homes specifically? Like how do you find these deals? The way I've traditionally found half of my deals is exact same way every investor finds their deals. Bandit signs, uh, mailers, Google, Facebook, MLS, all those different things. 
The trick is you change the word house to mobile home. And that's the okay. big difference. Now, the other way I found them, and now it's my primary way, is I go to meetings. I love uh, the RIA meetings, uh, realtor, continue educations, any gathering of anyone in the investor world. And traditionally, for the people watching, I've always worn this shirt. <laughs> my wife buys mobile homes. And today it. I'm wearing my education shirt. But I stand up at meetings and I say, my wife buys mobile homes. And I let people know that. And at any meeting I do that, there's always someone that comes up afterwards. And they look at me weird, like, why would you buy those? They depreciate and they talk all this bad stuff. And I say, you're right. They're terrible investments. Send you me all never your buy links. them. <laughs> yeah. And uh, so really, it's a joke and I, I will help anyone. But there's a lot of people that don't want to deal with them. And that's how I've gotten a lot of my leads. And I try to keep, well, I don't try. I keep everyone in the deal. I want you to get paid. Because if you get paid, you're probably going to call me again. Yeah. And if you get paid more than the other person, you're probably going to call me first. So I love paying people. Realtors, the same idea. You know, when I was buying those at 30, 35,000 all in, most realtors don't want to do the work of the paperwork when they can do a hundred, 150, 200, $300,000 house for the same paperwork. Right. They still want to help people. And I became a referral source. So realtors and other investors really are my biggest lead source. And I'm moving completely that direction. Now it is my personality. I love going to meetings. I love getting educated. I love going to trainings. So it fits something I already enjoy doing. And then the benefit is I've been getting a lot of leads that way. Well, you know, it goes to show that there is no replacement for good old fashioned networking, right? Yep. <laughs> you know, to, to use another one of those kind of trite sayings, you know, the, the extent of your network determines the extent of your net worth, right? So, yep. all right. So I put a link in the comments here to where people can reach you. That's adriansmood.com. And we're going to put another link here to where you can learn about mobile home investing, uh, mobile home universities, someone that we've worked with in the past. Um, so Adrian, I was asking you, you know, before we went live here on the show, uh, whether you sell these, these mobile homes turnkey and you were saying that you do not. So you can't, you guys can't reach out to Adrian to, uh, buy his, buy his properties. He's, he's hoarding them. Um, uh, yeah, I was going to say they're too easy cash flow. Once they're set up, like, I feel like I do all the hard work then. And, <laughs> If I, maybe if I had more drive to build this big business, I would do it. But I enjoy, I actually enjoy the the tenant side. I know I'm very rare. Most people don't enjoy that side of it. That is rare. But I do enjoy that relationship. And a little bit of it is breaking that stereotype because there is that stereotype of mobile homes. And it, it's there for a reason. There's a lot of slumlords in my space. And I have a little thing i want to break that stereotype of if i can a tiny bit i love it well adrian thank you again so much for joining us today this was super fascinating uh i i love it i love any kind of creative real estate investing people who are going off the beaten path a little bit and doing something differently uh which you are definitely doing so i know everyone got a, a lot out of this this episode so adrian thanks again for joining us you're welcome thank you for having me Appreciate it. Absolutely. Uh, well, we'll see you guys next Tuesday at 2 p.m. Eastern, as always. And uh, have a great week. In the meantime, let us know what you want to hear about next. All right. See you guys. 
Did you know we offer a free eight video course on how to reach financial independence with real estate? It's super bingeable with each video around 10 minutes long, but packed with information. Visit sparkrental.com slash learn for instant access. And please don't forget to rate and review our podcast on iTunes, Stitcher, or wherever you listen. Thanks for joining us. And we will catch you on the flip side. Oh,